Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Bryn. Apologies in advance this week, especially towards the beginning of the episode. If you hear any sounds like banging or anything in the background, my husband is currently building an outdoor container to go with our new deck set. Gotta keep those cushions dry. And I asked him to do this as quickly and quietly as possible, but can't make any promises because he's literally building it right outside the window of where I'm recording. So that's where we're at right now. That's what those sounds may be. No ghosty squirrels in the wall, just a grown man trying to build a container to hold some cushions. My plan is to be outside more this summer and enjoy the sun and to read a little bit more in the outdoors. So he is currently fulfilling my dreams of that. Speaking of reading, I'm gonna segue us right into some recommendations. Recently, I have been watching Celebrity Jeopardy, and anyone who's been listening long enough knows I am a sucker for Jeopardy. So if you are into Jeopardy as much as I am and don't find it too boring, check it out. Celebrity Jeopardy, it's on Hulu. The questions are a tiny bit easier than normal Jeopardy. I think they do that on purpose. Not saying that celebrities aren't smart, but obviously the people that are typically on this show are complete geniuses and have trained for this moment. But Celebrity Jeopardy and then another show that I recently just started with my husband is called Justified. And we are about three episodes, four episodes in so far and loving it. Make sure to check out Justified. I feel like we were pretty hooked from the first episode. So give that a shot. I've been getting tons of show recommendations lately. Two of them being from my brother Casey. One of them being from listener Christina. One of them being from listener Paige. I'm not sure if I mentioned you in a past episode or not, Paige, but I figured I'd throw your name out there in case I didn't. And I have to check all of these shows out because I my list is getting longer and longer. There's been other people aside from them that I've mentioned in past episodes that I haven't even gotten to yet. So thank you for all the show recommendations. Keep sending them my way. Book recommendations, podcast recommendations, anything like that. I love finding new stuff and some of these sound like I'm going to be sucked in quite quickly. So once I have time for that, I will be updating you on any that I've watched and recommend from there. Also, I think I've been in, I've either found more t- a little more time lately or I've been in a kick where I'm finding new things to delve into. I just started a new podcast and this podcast has been around for a while. I think there's like 12 seasons or something like that, but I'm just starting it now and I actually started from season 12 because each season's different. I had found this podcast through True Crime Obsessed, which I know I've mentioned on this podcast before, and they mentioned the podcast Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff, and I am completely obsessed. This season that he's doing right now, it's currently happening, so there's still episodes going on, and I've been binging it at work like nonstop because it's just so good, and he does a lot of investigative research, and he provides a lot of information to the listeners as well online through crime scene photos and court documents and all that. So it's really interesting to listen to and follow along with. And one of the episodes 
I listened to this week, he brought in a criminal profiler and it was just so cool to listen to. So shout out to Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, give it a listen. Finally, I do have some book recommendations and I could say I finally found time when I was sick a couple weeks ago to not only finish the book that I mentioned on here a while ago that I was just not able to finish for a while, not because it was not interesting, but because I just couldn't find time. It was called All the Missing Girls by Megan Miranda. I finally finished that and it was an incredible read. And then not only that, but when I was sick, I spent an entire day reading Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter, who I have mentioned before is one of my favorite authors. And I finished it in a day because it was so good. And that's all I did with my day when I was sick. I highly, highly, highly recommend both of those books if you want a good thriller summer read. Again, it's All the Missing Girls by Megan Miranda and Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. So good. Now, before I waste too much time on this intro, because some of you may or may not like a longer intro, I'm going to jump into our coffee recipe for this week. Yes, I did say coffee recipe, although I could potentially be in the mood for our coffee today. It is already 8.40 at night. Again, I do not want to have acid reflux or be up with insomnia at night when I'm going to be going to bed in a couple hours. Not to mention, I am really tired right now. As peppy as I sound, I'm not in the mood to be up much longer. With that being said, today's coffee recipe is a turtle coffee. You can have this coffee hot or iced, and you are going to need a quarter cup of espresso or half a cup of coffee, one tablespoon of chocolate sauce, one tablespoon of caramel sauce, one teaspoon of hazelnut syrup or butter pecan syrup, one cup of milk, and then some extra toppings, which would include whipped cream, extra chocolate or caramel sauce, crushed pecans or pecans, however you want to say it, or walnuts. This is how to make your turtle coffee. So you're going to brew your coffee and or espresso. You can squeeze chocolate and caramel sauce on the inside of a glass to create that cool design and have some extra sauce. Then you're going to pour your coffee into a mug and mix in chocolate sauce, caramel sauce, and the nut syrup. You're going to add milk, and if you want your coffee hot, you're going to steam the milk before pouring it in. So this brewed coffee, I'm assuming you can either brew it if you want the hot coffee right then and there, or if you want it iced, pour it over ice or leave it in the fridge overnight. And then you're going to top with whipped cream, drizzle more chocolate and caramel sauce, and top with crushed pecans or walnuts. And it looks so good. For anyone who doesn't know what a turtle is and you're like, well, why is it called a turtle coffee? It's the combination of chocolate, caramel, and pecan, which is cluster candy inspired. If you make that one, as always, send your pictures my way. Send what you thought my way. I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on what it tasted like. And with that being said, I'm going to jump right into today's episode. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. I am very excited for the stories I have to share in today's episode, not only because they are on the somewhat 
lighter side for this podcast, but because I feel like the episodes have been heavier lately. I think the last two came with a trigger warning, plus there's been a lot going on lately within our society and just in general, and I feel like I needed to break it up a bit because some of this research has just been extra heavy lately, and I'm not sure if I've ever covered this genre before. I can't remember. I can't think back that far since we're going on three years in October. I know we've done Urban Legends. I know we've done Haunted Places, but tell me, have we done Cryptids? I think we might have incorporated some within Urban Legends before. Like, I know I did Mothman, but I don't know if we specified a Cryptid episode. So either this is the first or second cryptid episode that has been done on Crime Colts and Coffee. So into the cryptids we go. The first story that I'm going to be talking about is that of the Loveland Frogman. And I had never heard this one before. If you're listening from Ohio, you're like, oh, fuck yes, she's covering the Frogman. But if you're not listening from Ohio, I wonder if it's as popular in other areas as it is there. I'd be interested to know that. So the Loveland Frogman is also known as the Loveland Frog or Loveland Lizard. Allegedly, this Frogman is seen in Loveland, Ohio, and it's described as a quote-unquote humanoid frog. Don't you love that word, humanoid? It's almost as good as the word bulbous. I think I should add that to my favorite word list. This frog is or has been said to stand around four feet or 1.2 meters tall. It stands like a human. It has a frog face and leathery skin. And legends regarding the Loveland Frogman have been passed down in Ohio for decades. Some quote-unquote sightings of Frogman include the following. In 1955, different versions of legends say that this is actually when the first sighting took place. Some say that it happened in May, some versions, and either way, it took place late in the evening. A traveling salesman or Bible seller or businessman, depending on which version you hear, was driving on a road and saw three figures on the side of the road. One version says that they were actually in the middle of the road. And these figures were standing as if they were bipedal. They were all described as being 3 to 4 feet tall or 0.91 to 1.2 meters tall. And they had frog faces and leathery skin when they turned to face the man. Some versions don't mention the road name, while another specifies the Branch Hill neighborhood. Some versions also mention the cryptids being under or over a bridge instead of on the side of the road. In one tell of this version, the creature lands on the hood of his car and croaks after coming out from under or over the bridge. One version also mentions one of the creatures holding, quote, a wand over its head that fired a spray of sparks, and that was a quote from Wiki, which in that situation, is this frog from Hogwarts? That's what I want to know. March 3rd, 1972. 1 o'clock a.m., Officer Ray Shockey, who was a Loveland police officer, told another officer that they saw some kind of strange creature or animal. 
He had been driving on Riverside Drive by the Little Miami River, and this animal ran across the road in front of his car, which he was able to see in full view because of his headlights. The description was similar to that of the frogman. He also said it was probably around 50 to 70 pounds, or 25 to 35 kilograms, which is freaking disgusting. Shockey said that it quote-unquote crouched like a frog, but then stood up like a human before it went over the guardrail and headed towards the river. Also in 1972, about two weeks after Shockey's sighting, Mark Matthews, who was another officer, also reported seeing a quote-unquote unidentified animal in the area where Shockey had seen the creature. Matthews shot it and put it in his trunk, and then Matthews later said that after showing Shockey the animal, he confirmed that it was what he had seen. Matthews said it turned out to be a, quote, large iguana about 3 or 3.5 feet, or 0.9 to 1.1 meters long. It was also missing its tail. In 2016, another sighting of the Frogman was reported by a guy named Sam Jacobs. He had been playing Pokemon Go with a friend near a synagogue on Loveland Madeira Road. He said that he then went across train tracks to Lake Isabella and saw something really weird by the water. He said he saw a four-foot-tall frog that stood on its back legs Jacobs even took a photo of the creature, which I will show in a picture, but it kind of stinks because this photo, it's a little bit dark and not only that, but it looks like the creature was in the water at this point. After this occurred, Matthews, who again was one of the officers from the 1972 sighting, came forward and spoke on news station WCPO Channel 9 He relayed that he had killed the same animal in the 1970s, and he told the station how his sighting had turned out to be a very large iguana with a missing tail. Based on this cryptid, there have been some things within the media. In 2014, the legend was made into a musical called Hot Damn! It's the Loveland Frog! (laughs) Which I think is amazing. There's also a version of the Frogman story in a novel called The Man from Primrose Lane by James Renner, and I have to admit, literally during the research up until right before I was going to record, for some reason I was reading it as Jeremy Renner, like the actor, and I was like, why did, first of all, Jeremy Renner make a novel called The Man from Primrose Lane, and why did he include a version of the frogman is he from ohio and then i was like wait no it says james runner there is also now a frogman festival in ohio which you can get info for if you're interested at frogmanfestival.com so check that out and if you're in the ohio area go and let me know what you think about the loveland frogman Personally, I just want tickets to Hot Damn! It's the Loveland Frog! So, everyone knows now what to get me for my birthday this year. Moving on to the next cryptid. This has now become Amphibian Reptile Hour, 
And the next cryptid story is that of the Flatwoods Monster. Uh, I suddenly feel like I'm hosting an episode of The Twilight Zone, and I like it. The Flatwoods Monster is also known as the Braxton County Monster. Braxy, which is a really cute name. It kind of reminds me of Slendy for the Slender Man. Or the Phantom of the Flatwoods. This cryptid is located in West Virginia, specifically the town of Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia. It is described as humanoid, there's that good word again, or alien-like. And I'll get into a more detailed description of this creature as we move forward. September 12th, 1952, this occurred around 7.15 p.m., A bright light went across the sky, and other reports say that it was a bright object. Edward, who was 13, and Fred, who was 12, May, so Edward and Fred May, they were brothers, and their friends Tommy Heyer, who was 10, and Neil Nunley, had been playing on the lawn of the Flatwoods Elementary School. They had seen this bright light and said it landed on farmer G. Bailey Fisher's property. They ran to the May household and relayed this information to Kathleen May, who was Edward and Fred's mom, who then went with them, the family dog named Ricky, and a man named Eugene Lemon over to the Fisher farm. Side note, Eugene Lemon was a West Virginia National Guardsman. Some articles also state that another boy named Ronnie Shaver joined them at this point as well. Once at the farm, they saw a quote-unquote pulsing red light at the top of a hill. Lemon then pointed a flashlight towards where the red light was coming from, and it was then that they saw what is now known as the Flatwoods Monster. They said not only did they see this monster, but that they had also smelled a quote-unquote pungent mist so bad that some of the group became nauseous from the smell. The story goes that this creature then made a hissing noise at them and, quote-unquote, glided toward the group, so it was kind of levitating. Lemon screamed and dropped the flashlight, and everybody ran away. Some articles had also mentioned that the dog Ricky at this point, was absolutely terrified and had ran away as soon as the smell came, as soon as the creature presented itself. It was just absolutely terrified. It was said that, quote, some of the members of the group suffered from throat irritation, vomiting, and nausea, which persisted for days. And that was a quote from BraxtonWV.org. What seemed to be the same night, A local sheriff and deputy also checked out the area after receiving reports of some kind of crashed aircraft. They, however, said they, quote, saw, heard, and smelled nothing. September 13th, 1952, which was the very next day, reportedly A. Lee Stort Jr. allegedly found a, quote-unquote, odd gummy deposit and skid marks in the field. This led some to believe that it could have been a UFO that brought this creature to the Flatwoods. 20 miles south of Flatwoods, near a place called Strange Creek, this is also on September 13th, 
That night, George and Edith Snidowski and their 18-month-old were driving on Route 4. They were driving when their car inexplicably died. George tried to restart the car, but it wouldn't. And suddenly, a sulfur-smelling odor filled the air and a bright light shone in the dark. They then said they saw a creature hovering in front of their car. Again, this creature seemed to be levitating. Before it left and went into the woods, they said that it dragged its hand across the hood of their car. The couple was then able to restart their car and they sped off away from the creature. Now I'm going to get into some descriptions of how this thing was described in more detail and there have been different descriptions of what this monster looked or looks like. Lemon said he saw, quote, a tall man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. And that was a quote from Wiki. May, though it didn't specify which one since there were three of them, but I was kind of assuming that the, it was from the mother, said that it had, quote, small claw-like hands, clothing-like folds, and a head that resembled the ace of spades which is a really interesting description. George and Edith Snedowski said that it was 10 feet tall, its head was reptilian and bony, and its hand was lizard-like. So what they had seen was more lizard-like than this weird pointed-shaped face kind of thing. And then Gray Barker, who was a UFO writer had also compiled a description of the monster based on tape-recorded interviews that he did. This description says that it has qualities such as a blood-red face, is 10 feet or 3 meters tall, and then some reports also say even taller, eyes that glow a greenish-orange light, a dark black or green body, and a pointed, quote-unquote, hood-like shape surrounding its face. Interesting enough, another sighting of a similar creature had been reported by a woman named Audra Harper. This had actually occurred not too long before the well-known sighting on September 12th that I just spoke about. Mrs. Harper had been walking in the woods with a friend near her house, and this was near the town of Heaters, which is around five miles away from Flatwoods. They were heading to a store and cut through the woods as a shortcut, and this is a whole quote from BraxtonWV.org, quote, about a half mile into their trip, they noticed a ball of fire on one of the hills they were passing. Harper dismissed it, assuming that one of her neighbors was, quote unquote, fox chasing. When she glanced back, she saw something unbelievable. The fire had vanished and in its place stood the tall, dark silhouette of a man-shaped figure. Terrified, Harper and her friend ran, escaping among the rocks and boulders strewn around the hillside. Following the Flatwoods incident, people came to investigate the area for themselves, especially reporters, writers, and UFO enthusiasts. What was seen on the night of September 12, 1952, 
made headlines throughout the U.S., and the story of the Flatwoods monster seemed to blow up. It was rated, quote-unquote, number 11 for the year by the national press. Holt Byrne, who was a former news editor, stated, quote, Newspaper stories were carried throughout the country, radio broadcasts were carried on large networks, and hundreds of phone calls were received from all parts of the country. And that was a quote from Wiki. So assuming that this is a legend and that the Flatwoods monster is not real, what are the theories for what it could have been besides some kind of cryptid? An investigator for the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry named Joe Nickel said that the bright light could have been a meteor. And how cool is that? A Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. Interesting. Very cool title. Aside from the bright light potentially being a meteor, he added that the red light could have been a hazard beacon or aircraft navigation. Finally, he said that the monster that they thought they had seen could have been a barn owl. Reports go into how they would have come to this conclusion, but I'm not sure how this would add up with the story of the Snedowskis, who had described it as almost lizard-like. How would a barn owl be lizard-like? Investigators from the Air Force have also supported this theory. Apparently, on the night of the creature sighting, a meteor had been spotted in West Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. Furthermore, a skeptic, Ryan Hopped, stated that the nausea experienced by some of the witnesses could have been due to, quote-unquote, hysteria and overexertion. I feel like he was basically transporting back in time and calling them all hysterical women, I mean, maybe they didn't see a monster, but multiple people becoming nauseous from hysterics, but blaming it on a pungent mist seems like a stretch as well, Ryan. One article pointed out that the mist was described along with the symptoms that some of the witnesses experienced, that this could also be signs of mustard gas exposure, but there was really nothing much further on that. So here's some fun information regarding more touristy-ish things with the Flatwoods monster. The Flatwoods welcome sign says home of the green monster and there's also an ice cream shop called The Spot in Flatwoods which has a painted monster you can take a picture with. It also has items on the menu based around the monster and historic photos and news clippings on the walls regarding the incident, which sounds like such a cool place. If I am ever in Flatwoods, West Virginia, I would 100% check that place out. Sutton, West Virginia has a Flatwoods Monster Museum as well, and there are some things based on the Flatwoods Monster within the media. Video games reference it, and these video games are Fallout 76 and Everybody's Golf 4, which I'm kind of interested how Everybody's Golf 4 features the Flatwoods Monster. Does it come out onto the golf course? I don't even know if that's what that game's about, but Everybody's Golf 4 features the Flatwoods Monster. 
In 2018, there was a documentary made called The Flatwoods Monster, A Legacy of Fear. And in 2019, the History Channel show Project Blue Book had an episode called The Flatwoods Monster based on, you guessed it, The Flatwoods Monster. So with that being said, that is the end of today's episode. I hope everyone enjoyed the coverage of the cryptids and give me some feedback on this one because I know I haven't done many, if any, episodes like this before and if you enjoyed it, I would love to know that feedback just so I know to continue with more of these once in a while. I enjoyed researching it for sure. I love this kind of stuff even though Some of it is too far-fetched where it's like, okay, this is definitely legend. And some of it you're like, wait, could this exist? So either way, it's fun. It's fun to tell. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And if you're ever in those areas, I'm sure you can find some at least fun attractions based upon these cryptids. Now into the spiel. You can find Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram. That's where I post pictures of coffee reviewed, any past coffee, past episodes. You can find that in our highlights along with important information regarding Crime Colts and Coffee, any merch, and fun listener reposts. The link tree in the bio has most of the listening platforms that this podcast is on. If you go to Facebook at Crime Colts and Coffee, that's where I put any resources, photos, links, calls to action found within the episode. And as mentioned in other episodes, this one didn't have one, but when it comes to calls to action, you can also find that in the show notes where you find the description of the episode you're listening to. If you have a listener story or case suggestion, you can email me at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at crimecoltsandcoffee. As always, listener stories, case suggestions, love them. Send them my way along with any recommendations, TV, books, podcasts, anything like that. And I've only been mentioning this for maybe the past like month or so. If you have a listener art, send that my way as well. I love seeing it. I will 100% repost it and tag you if you want to be tagged. Otherwise, it just like makes my entire day. I cannot get enough of it. Ooh, send some cool cryptid ones my way. That would be fun. Crime quotes and coffee mixed with the cryptids. Do it, do it. And last but not least, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, You can leave a rate and review. That is the best way for this podcast to be seen. And not only that, for me to get lovely feedback from you. And it just makes me smile. And I'll send you free stickers. You can, if your listening platform allows you to do so, which is most likely Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, potentially others, leave a rate and review. And if you don't have that option on any listening platform of your choice, You can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Until then, send me some cryptid suggestions. Send me what you think. Hopefully you don't run into any massive fucking frogs or 
creepy lizard slash potentially just creepy pointed weird looking creatures on your nightly excursions aside from that all I gotta say is I want to go see hot damn it's the Loveland Frog the musical let me know if you want in on that because that might be a fun crime Colson coffee field trip in the future I am obsessed all right until next week bye regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook